0: Thank y'all. Wonderful. If you have your Bibles, let's keep them open or pull up your smartphone or tablet to Titus 2. We're going to jump around a little bit in this book. We're starting a new series entitled Things We May Have Missed. If we're honest with one another, we we probably gravitate to certain books. We just do. We find ourselves maybe going to the Psalms a lot, and that's wonderful, except when you do that, you find out those are, those are really tough chapters a lot of times. Or maybe you find yourself going to Jesus and going to the Gospels over and over again, and that's wonderful. We want to be Gospel-centered. But again, those, some of the things Jesus said were really tough. But we want to be people after the whole counsel of God. What all, have God, what all of God has revealed to us in his word is authoritative. It is God-breathed, and so we want to hear all of it. And listen, I will confess to you, I've been here four years now. I've probably only preached from half the books of the Bible, so I'm going to continue to grow on that. But, but if we're honest, there are some books maybe we have skipped over. For, for instance, here's what we'll do. I'm going to point to you, and you're going to tell me your top favorite three things about Titus, and you can't share what Renee shared, all right? She gave you the cliff notes, all right? So I point. I'll tell you what, here's what I'll do instead. I'm gonna point to you and you tell me the life verse that you have from Titus, all right? And so we've missed this book. Maybe, maybe you haven't, maybe in Disciple Bible Study or uh, uh, going through your own personal reading. But I, I know this is a book I've not heard really preached from, but there is so much here for us There's so much here because this isn't a prison epistle of Paul like Galatians and Ephesians. This is a pastoral epistle. And so Paul has been mentoring Titus. Titus is mentioned 12 to 13 different times in the New Testament. And so Paul has this Mentoring relationship, we find him saying in 2 Corinthians and other places, but that you're my child in the faith, or you're my, my brother. Here it's true son or child, chapter 1, verse 14. But in 2 Corinthians, you're my brother in, my, in the faith. You're the, my partner and fellow worker in the faith. And he lauds his character and conduct as well. And then he gives them this task. This first task that we see here, I've mentored you. Now you go and do the same. I've helped to bring order to your life in Christ Jesus. Now you go and you do that for this church, this people, this people on this island. And y'all, for him to do that with a crowd that's really tough, and we'll talk about that in a minute, must have meant that there was deep trust that Paul had for Titus. Because Paul leaves and Titus is left. To minister to this tough crowd, there must have been a deep trust. I think I was 19 or 20. I had just started working for Twin Lakes Camp and Conference Center. It was my second or third week there, and we were having our first day camp and getting kids on the bus to take them from uh, just off Fortification Street in Jackson to Florence, Mississippi. And then I was handed a, a pair of keys. What? What, what, what are these for? Oh, you'll be driving a bus full of about 40 children, 40 screaming day campers. They're either screaming because they have been set free from their parents, right? Or there's still about a third of them, if you've taken a child to day camp, that are screaming for their moms and dads at that point because they don't want to go to camp. So I'm handed these keys at age 19 or 20 to not only drive that, but as soon as we start driving... What's happening in that bus? The loud, the obnoxious camp songs, right? So everybody starts singing those. You've got some kids crying, everybody else singing these horrible songs. And what time is it that I'm getting on I-55 south? We're leaving day camp about 7.45 in the morning. It's rush hour. 55 before the stack, 55, and that horrible trying to get over to I-49 to take I-49 south. Uphill, both ways, in the snow. That's my responsibility that I've been. And I'm thinking, you guys, how are you trusting me? And by the way, they don't anymore. I think after that year, it was always licensed drivers. Or <laughs> You want to talk about a sweat machine turned on. You want to talk about being nervous, but also this kind of, hey, of all the camp counselors, two of us got picked. We want you. We expect you to get our kids from here to there in rush hour, it's crazy kids. Hey thanks for that. Actually, no thanks. I would never want to do that again, but thanks for that. Titus, as he looks at what he's looking down the barrel of a gun at, Crete, are you kidding me? But yet there's something that Paul is trusting him with this ministry. It's one of the gifts you and I will have is is mentoring people and then trusting them with ministry. Or, 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 to, or to feel good when people say, hey, I trust you to take, or when God says, I trust you to do this to a very difficult people. Go back to chapter 1, verse 12. These people are known for their decadence, liars, brutes, gluttons. That's their own prophets saying that about them. Usually a small town, local town, you try to cover up the town's sins. Oh, not this. Their own prophets say, this is who we are, archaeologists. Have dug up one of those town signs for Crete. So when you come off the boat, they've dug it up and it says, Welcome to Crete. It has this beautiful uh, sea image. And then right under it, it says, in parentheses, We're lost as a goose. <laughs> That's not what the town sign said, but it's what their prophets said. Look, we're going to be honest with you. Get back on the boat. These people are lost as a goose. And Paul says, Titus, I'm trusting you to do this. Can God trust us with tough crowds? Maybe family's a tough crowd for you right now. Or work is a tough crowd. Or some of the social groups you're in, and, and there's struggle and there's brokenness. But God says, I've mentored you, as Paul mentored Titus, and I need you in this group. And I need you to get it. Done. That's basically what Paul does here. He doesn't pull any punches. He says, get it done. And here's why, here's why uh, Titus can do that. Go back to chapter 1, verse 2. Unlike the Cretans, the people from Crete, who lie routinely, Paul says to Titus, God, God's not a liar. God does not lie. He will give us a hope. God has an appointed season for whatever work we have. You trust him in the work that you are appointed to do. Verse 5, I'm leaving you here. Straighten it out. Order the life of the church. And you keep reading it, chapter 1, verse 11, verse 12. It's some tough stuff. I need you to rebuke them sharply. Verse 13, I want you to basically, literally, it says in the Greek, to shut them up. Now, you get some nice grace and hope in chapter 2 15. Yes, Jesus gave himself for you. Uh, there's grace, there's a blessed hope. Oh, by the way, rebuke them again as we closed our passage today. It's a tough task in a tough situation with tough people, but Paul is entrusting Titus. Who is God trusting to you? I know it's hard, it can be a difficult thing, but that's God pouring his trust into you to be his hope for somebody else. If we are mentored, it cannot stop there. If we are mentored by God, by his word, but by other people, it cannot stop there. It's got to spill out into service and to discipleship and to helping and even giving a word of truth. First thing out of Titus, we're reminded, we are trusted with much, what will we do with that? But then there are two reminders. Two reminders and really imperatives that we see throughout these three chapters. And the first is this, and you find it in our verses for today, but really you find it everywhere. You find it in, in chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 2, 5, 6, here are verse, verse 12, and it's this, if you're a note taker. Self-controlled, sober, Sensible. Self-controlled, sober, or sensible. You'll see that, depending on your translation, you'll see that word over and over again in Titus. And he he says it to everybody. He says it to people who are older and younger. He says it to men and to women. He says it to the elders. He says it to the overseers. You are to be self-controlled. Matter of fact, the only group he doesn't call to be sensible is the older women. He knows he's on an island. He's scared for his life. No. But, but he eventually says in our verse 12, everybody ought to be sensible, self controlled, sober minded. Just goes through every group. If you're going to lead in the church, younger men, older women, tell the younger women. It's just, it's everywhere. Be sober. And listen, we live in a culture where self is not to be self controlled, we live in a culture where self's to be highlighted. That you're to be free to do whatever expresses yourself, free whatever brings you happiness. I am not kidding. I saw in a report a couple of years ago, more people are now dying from taking selfies than shark attacks. I want to show you myself to the world, and yet there's no signs on a beach that says, don't do that. <laughs> but there are signs, hey, we have sharks in the water. Spielberg needs to make a movie now. And every time somebody pulls out their phone, da-dum, dum Dump, 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 right? Because you've got to see me. Even if there's risk, and there's more risk than shark attacks now, Paul says, to everybody on that island, every group, old, young, leaders, all of you, it's self-control. Paul's been saying this. If you remember what he says to the church in Rome, who are the children of God? it's, It's those people who were controlled by the Holy Spirit. He says it to the church in Galatia as he lists out the fruit, not the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. And these aren't gifts where we have some and we don't have others. All, these, all of this fruit is to be evident in the believer's life. And when he closes, what does he close with? This word, self-control, to be led uh, uh, by God and to control yourself. I was blessed yesterday uh, to, to lead a wedding for one of my son's best friends in college and uh, it was over. I don't want to make anybody jealous. We were at the TPC course in Duluth, Georgia. Um, Sugar Loaf, right there outside that clubhouse. A beautiful clubhouse, beautiful place, and we're sitting right there on the grass, right down the hill is the 18th Green. Just a beautiful venue, a backdrop of a lake and woods and all these beautiful homes. Um, But right as the ceremony was beginning... And as the top of the hill where you come down to make your, I think, your third shot onto the green, you can see down that we're having a wedding. And as, as the procession starts, there's a gentleman who puts one in the water. Now, he can see us. He can hear the harp. He can see the beauty and the splendor of a covenanting service. And he didn't have self-control. He, he dropped some bombs on us. <laughs> During that holy moment, why? Because I matter more. It's me. My shot in the water on 18th is more important than these two young people joining their lives before God in this company. I get to do whatever I want to do. My shot. By the way, I didn't get a free round of golf, by the way. I drove all the way over there and back. I need to work that out. I need to work that out. I want you to hear the why. Go down to chapter 3, verses 4 and 7. God does not have to give us a why, but he does it all the time in his goodness. He simply should say, as Paul says, straighten it out. Do it. But here's what we get. Here is why we will control ourselves and not be controlled by what others do or by what they have. That will not control how I respond. That is why external circumstances will not determine what believers say or what they do. That is why feelings and temptations and desires, even when they come, worldly desires, which he mentions here in chapter 2, they will not control us. We will be sensible and sober. Why? Not just because that's what we do. Look at verses 4 and 7. 4 to 7. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to the mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been, full, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's why we do it. We're a washed people. We're a regenerated people. We're a renewed people, saved beautifully by Christ on his cross, and now having the gift and the person and, and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. This is how you ought to be self-controlled, sober, sensible, because he was kind, he was lovely, he was merciful. And so we can control ourselves. There's a famous comedian who got in a lot of hot water, rightfully so a few years ago, and he talks about that. Uh, his name was Louis C.K., very popular comedian. Here's what he said, and I appreciate his honesty in saying this. I have a lot of beliefs, and I live by some of them. That's just the way I am. They're just my beliefs. I just like believing them. I like that part. They're my little believeies. They make me feel good about who I am. But if they get in the way of a thing I want, I just do what I want to do. That can be our culture. That that can be a temptation that comes to us. And Paul says for us, that can't be us. Look what lovely mercy has been poured out on you. And and also the power of the Spirit that's in you. The church must be self-controlled, sober, and sensible. Titus, don't miss telling them that. And then quickly, this this other point, and we'll finish. This other reminder that you see here, but you see it throughout all of Scripture, is submission and subjection. I won't spell out and take time to all the relationships you see in Titus, but it's a theme you find all throughout these three chapters, of being subject to God, but also being submissive and subject even to one another. You see Paul talk about that routinely in his epistles. Be subject, church, to one another, allow each other to speak into lives. Even as we look down later when he says, don't have anything to do with a fractious person or a fractious man, but you warn them, you, you say to them, be in submission to what we are being called to do. But listen, that's, again, our culture struggles with that. To have anybody tell us what we should or should not do, don't do that. There's another comedy that's out. It was on NBC, and I think it's exploding on Netflix. It's called The Office. And there was an intern there that was just a horribly selfish person, did whatever he, he wanted to do, got in a lot of trouble over that. But in one of the episodes, here's what he says. And this is kind of a documentary show, so he's saying it uh, as, as though he's being interviewed. And he says, I got away with everything under the last boss. And it was not good for me at all. So, I want guidance. I want leadership. But don't, don't just like boss me around. You know, like, like, like lead me. Like, like lead me when I'm in the mood to be led. I can be like that. Can you be like that? Is it full submission and subjection to the word of God, to God, and even open to others. What do I need to see? What do I need to be about? Can you speak into my life? Can the word have every, or is it just, well, you can have these things, or I'm in the mood here to surrender that. What Titus is saying, what Paul's saying to Titus, is it's always subjection, every relationship, what? Does God say in his word, here are my kingdom purposes, and it's got to be all? Who's in charge? And again, we bump into, as you see him here, talk about ungodliness or worldly desires, how, how so many of the epistles, John and Paul and Peter, just talk how we're bombarded with culture that says, you know what, here's how you can date, or here's how you do marriage. And yet, and yet God says, his word says, oh, no, no, here's the... F- Here's the fullness of that and what that ought to look like. Here's the goodness of what courting ought to look like and dating ought to look like and marriage ought to look like. Yet he's t- they're talking about young men and young women here. And Titus is trying to say to them, there's, there's, there has to be purity. There has to be sensibility. And he's on an island where there's all kind of debauchery. Will we submit to what the Lord has said or do we just go with the flow? Will we submit to what the Lord has said That that we, how we treat people, you get down to chapter three, verse 14, there are people all around us with pressing needs. Well, listen, I'm busy with my life, my family, my church, and I don't have time for the other stuff, but there are pressing needs on every side. Will I submit to the Lord on that? Will I submit to, and you just go throughout Titus, there's so many imperatives here that we could talk about. Chapter three, verse one, I'm not going to malign anybody. He talks again about earlier in chapter 2 about any kind of gossip. I'm not going to have any of that. I will submit to what the Lord said so clearly on that. And then the next day, I'm struggling with, I heard them talk about this person. Do I join in? And so Paul continually is saying to Titus, this leader, he's saying to the church, when we live in a culture that misses maligning, every news organization, every, every social media post, we want to judge it. We want to mock it. We want to pick on it. We want to. Will my tongue, will my attitude, will my marriage, will my dating, will how I treat others with needs, will all of that be under the Lord's submission? It's a great word. From Titus, It's a good word to go back to because it says so much to us about what we have in Christ, of his love for us, but also what we have in the Holy Spirit of who we can be and are to be. It also says something I feel, and I think other scholars have, uh, uh, scholars have found that uh, to be true, of what the Lord's trusting us with. If we have been mentored, as Titus has been mentored, then we have to get in the game. Who would you have me reach out to? What's the pressing need? Where's the area of service? If we have been disciples, what disciples do is they go and make disciples. Not stay just under discipleship, but I've got to have that be spilled out. And God trusts you with that. That's the word. What an encouraging word for Titus to have Paul say, you can have that island. Yeah, even though it's rough and I know it's tough. Have at it, go get them. What's God trusting you with to say and to do? But then also, as we, as we look at our own lives, just to hear that word to those people then, but it's also word to us now, as I look at my life, am I self-controlled? Am I letting external circumstances determine what I will do and what I will say? Or to when people, when they've looked at this last week in my life, would they say, "Oh, that's somebody who's sensible. That's somebody who's sober-minded. That's somebody who is controlled by the Spirit. That's somebody under self-control. And then also just to, to, just to do that homework and to say, Lord, it's hard to be subject to others, to submit ourselves to others. It's, 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 it's hard because sometimes I have these pet things that I want to do, and I say, I'll give you all of this, but these two or three, I get to lead this, okay? And Paul says to the church, all things, every relationship, is to be under his kingdom purposes for his glory uh, and allow him to be Lord of those things. How do you need to respond to this, his word? Let's pray about that. Father, we, th- we thank you for this good word that we are reminded again of the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for speaking through Paul to share this word with Titus when he needed to hear that and to share it with us when we need to hear it It's such a difficult time, an anxious time, and to remind us again that we have been washed by Christ. We have been regenerated. Father, we have been renewed. We praise you for that. And we praise you that you are a God who shares ministry with us, that you trust us with that. So help us to see what that is. Help us to step out in faith and to do the things, even if they're hard things and difficult things, to do the things you've called us to do. Holy Spirit, we also pray that you would shed light upon our hearts, our attitudes, our minds, our lives. That we that we be able to see, where we've we've lost some control, whether we're making selfish decisions, whether we're looking looking like the world, uh, where we're trying to get our way. Uh, just just convict us, we pray, uh, so our lives would say to our culture that we are yours. Every word. Every attitude, every moment, every decision is not controlled by the world or by our struggles or by other people, but 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 they're but they're bed there in response to you, to your great mercy, but also to your great power. Thank you for this word. Bless now our response to it, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we leave this morning, just a reminder, if you're on this side of the sanctuary, if the front row would go first out this door, and then if you're on this side of the sanctuary, we'll exit by the back, and the back row will start first. Try to keep social distance as you leave. Uh, Be mindful that we have some wonderful things coming up over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna do another drive-through communion. We still have Wednesday night online Bible study. There's some youth events coming up. Family groups have started for them. And a newsletter will come out this week. So just read every part of that newsletter because as with this season, things continue to change day by day and week by week, okay? Let's stand together for the benediction. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and always. And all of God's people said, amen.